And now for the clap. Mm -hmm. One, two, three, clap. All right. Okay. Um, so uh, so what, what you got for so, us? This this really is like I think probably the best um, best one so far. So I'll go in a kind of maybe descending order or ascending order of what I thought were some of the best ones. The best right. facial so, so expressions just, in this episode. Yeah. That we the are... people just joining us. Kayvon has taken great care to find the best facial expressions from this excellent episode for facial expressions. All right. So I'll put I'll post them on the Facebook so people can follow. Along. I mean, the, the, I think just the animation team went like over to themselves. First, we have Hollis just floating with this face for like a, a <laughs> solid like three or four seconds. <laughs> just... <laughs> He's like. Whoa, there's only a thin layer of glass between me and death. <laughs> the universe is huge, dog. I'm small. This reminds me of a... It's like the face you make. I don't know. Probably no one else has ever watched my favorite movie of all time. Um, uh, Human Traffic. But like... This, it's it's about like a bunch of Welsh people who just it's like follows them over their weekend of like doing drugs and going to parties and it's a great movie because it's not like Train Spotting it has a happy ending. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's... drugs are okay sometimes they can be fun that's cool don't go overboard. But yeah. there's like one point of the movie where it's just like a bunch of stoners like standing around in someone's kitchen at a house party, fucking pontificating and the one's like oh Vader wants to conquer outer space. But Yoda wants to conquer inner space, and they're like, "Oh, <laughs> like that's Hollis. That's Hollis's face right now. That's what he's thinking about." <laughs> had, had some deep revelations. <laughs> oh. All right, hit, All right, show us the next one. <laughs> so we, another like solid like hot minute of Marsh making this face. <laughs> this is after like a couple of the uh, the pirate E-frame e pilots get lit up. Yeah, I, I have I have it written down in the notes of the episode. Like the first time, a bunch of pirates dies. He's like, "Whatever, get over it." But the <laughs> second time, he's like, "Oh, this loss of life is terrible." <laughs> uh. it's like it's too, they've gone too far this time. Yeah, they killed three more pirates. Uh. All right, and now this is where they really start. To, I've, I'm saving the best for last year. This is where it starts really kind of ramping up. Um. So here's Jubail, our good pal, at the toward the end of the episode. This is like kind of final scenes of the episode. <laughs> I I did love those. <laughs> like I there there is a there is a there is a palpable level of disgust on his face and Rita's face in that scene. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Her face but, as well, because her nose, like I don't know, like her whole nose and mouth, like changes shape when she's like grimacing they, they at him. Make, yeah. They contort in ways that like human faces can't really contort, right? right. And <laughs> so, feel... like, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, he look in this picture that you're showing me right now because he's like one eye is kind of like small and the other one's bigger, and then he's got this like weird, like half grimace on his mouth. But he looks to me like he's trying to like push out a fart, but he's worried that he might <laughs> shot himself. Like, he's on that borderline of, like, is this going to be just gas or solids? I don't know, but we're going there. Or some sort of mix of the, he... the two, some kind of plasma. <laughs> that That's the face you make, like, like you, you went to the grocery store and you're like, man, I think I gotta go, but, like, I gotta get these groceries done. And then, like, as you're, like, you've paid for everything, you're walking out of the grocery store, like, you get to your car and the groceries are there, and you're like, I gotta go right now, and you just run back to the grocery store, leaving your leaving your groceries in the middle of the parking lot. Not that that's ever happened to me, 
Not that <laughs> it's that's like I made a terrible mistake. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty fucking priceless. And like, I, I, I tried to get um, I tried to get uh, what's her face is Rita's face, but like, it's in motion, so it's like you really what we need is a gif of that because her facial transformation in that scene is beautiful. But kind of so is Jubail's because Jubail, like, when he first turns and sees Rita, smiles at her, but in the like funniest looking way possible. <laughs> It's just like yeah, he actually looks like he, he, you, you know like for because it's obvious that he recognizes her or at least he either recognizes her or is reacting to her right. face with his own face but at first he definitely turns around and he's like how you doing <laughs> right. it's like and again it's one of those things that's like best caught like captured in motion but it's still just such a good face and then the Piece de resistance, if you will, uh, is JT frozen in this face for like a solid, again, four or five seconds as he's just kind of floating along, shooting. <laughs> yeah, that was that. That's that's one of those like anime tricks where like they're trying to display action, but everything on the screen except the bullets are standing still. <laughs> You just save a little bit of Right, money. but you have to lock him in, like, the worst possible pitch. I mean, he kind of looks like Sloth a little bit. He kind of does. Oh. Yeah, we were watching it. I do a Sloth impression, but I feel like that hasn't aged Yeah, well. maybe, yeah. maybe not. <laughs> All right, so that's that's no, the uh, that's the kind of uh, the lump of them thus far. Good, good facial game this, this oh, episode. Big time. Is, you know, yeah, and it's weird, because like, up until like two years ago, I never really like paid attention <laughs> to facial expressions in cartoons and how good they are sometimes. And really, I think I talked about it before on a previous episode. The thing that prompted me to start like paying attention to that was like the last season of My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, <laughs> where like... They decide they're like, okay, we're gonna make the stank face game incredible this season. <laughs> Hell yeah. My little pony stank faces. They're real good, especially rarity, because she's just like she my favorite rarity line ever. Someone someone's like, stop complaining, and she's like kidnapped or something, and she's like, I'm not compl or stop whining. And she's like, I'm not whining, I'm complaining. <laughs> this is whining. <laughs> That sounds awesome. Maybe we should watch My Little Pony, Lexi. Uh, I mean, you should. Yeah, I've been Very I've good. been wanting to investigate the subculture of like bronies because it, yeah. it's I it's fascinating and it kind of I wouldn't say it butts up against my research, but just in terms of like my interest in masculinity and masculinity studies, like I would love to <laughs> know more about like, bronies. I... No, no shade throwing no. to guys who like My Little Pony because obviously I watched the entire series. I liked it; it was fun. But like, I don't understand where the seedier parts of that Brony fandom mm. came from. Such a wholesome cartoon. I mean, I guess I do understand it because you know human beings are gross. Uh, but <laughs> like, <laughs> it it just seems so far removed from what from what the show is to to get that far into 
depravity. Right. Like that. I'll call are, the, it that. are we talking like, about people who want to fuck the ponies? Is that? Can I just be blunt? Well, like, <laughs> yes. That that's that's like that's like the the cleaner end of the depravity. Like it gets worse and worse. Oh yeah, because you get into like the world of like HN and eventually you wind up at like Nazis and like all kinds of other fucked up shit. Yeah, yeah, and nah, nah never mind. I'm, I'm, more, I'm more fascinated in the wholesome end of that spectrum. Like, I'm, I'm more interested in like young men who identify with this thing that is ostensibly feminine. And again, this is why, like, it's I'm not sh- throwing shade at all. Like, I actually think it's it's really cool and interesting, right? That like what we might consider like traditionally masculine cisgender men identify with this thing that is traditionally feminine because it's all about fucking friendship and like community. And I'm like, that's great. That's what men need. Right. Like that's that's fantastic. Take, take the lessons from it and the good lessons from it and adapt them. If you're a man or a woman, it it can like, it can be a good thing. And don't fuck a fucking pony. Like it's easy. (laughs) Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, on that note, I don't, <laughs> I don't have, I don't have anything more. Like, I can't go any farther into it because, yeah, just don't. Like, <laughs> no kink shaming, but don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So uh, on to on to the show. The show we actually bill this as. Welcome back to Exo Friends, everyone. The Exo Squad podcast on the Elder Millennial Network. I'm Dave Hoyt, and as always, I'm joined by Kayvon Fashami and Lexi DeCarning. And uh, today we're talking about uh, Season 2, Episode 4, Ultimate Weapon, <laughs> written by Mark Edens, Jim Carlson, and Terrence McDonald. I haven't. I I needed to. I, I didn't look up uh, Carlson or McDonald. I'll have to do that for a later episode because I'm sure they show up again. Um, but of course, Mark Edens has been a head writer for almost the whole series at this point. Um, so last episode we ended with the the pirates have finally decided to join the Exo fleet after they saved Simbaka from uh, Typhonus Typhonus's trap. Uh, and did a sizable chunk of damage to Typhonus's fleet. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 we see the scale of that damage much more in this episode than I think it was conveyed in the battle last episode. Yeah, it looked like a kind of a bit, of, mostly like a lot of cosmetic damage. I mean, there's that scene where Jubel flies past and just kind of shoots up the ship and just, he just like kind of shoots it and it looks like he just kind of peels a bunch of paint in two long strips off of it. it you know what? It, you know what it actually looked like. It actually looked like a giant space wolverine just ran across it with his <laughs> right, claws. Exactly. And so it's like, yeah. Now you see, it's like oh, there's like huge holes in it, and it's all like shot to pieces. It looks like a bit of Swiss cheese, even. Yeah, and and not only that, the pirates like captured a whole capital ship and a bunch of Ephraim. Right. When did that happen? <laughs> I know, right. Like, <laughs> I want that episode. Where's that? Yeah. I, I want to see that brave group of pirates because, like, either a a brave group of pirates boarded one of those ships and took out all the Neo Sapiens, or b a bunch of Neo Sapiens were like, "Fuck it, we gotta go," <laughs> and just abandoned ship and left it there. Peace like, out. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to get captured by the pirates, I guess. Well, I mean, I wouldn't want to be captured by pirates either. They're pirates. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, uh. 
well, the the pirate fleet now reinforced with the, with at least one Neo Sapien capital ship and a few and a bunch of Neo Sapien E frames prepares to leave Tethys to help the Exo fleet on Io. Um, Simbaka convinces well a very a very loose word <laughs> loose usage of the word convinces, forcefully like, convinces instructs yeah. maybe i'm not asking you <laughs> i'm telling you yeah uh he he tells marsh to train a squad of e-frame pirates using the e-frames that they captured from the neo sapiens and marsh is hesitant because he's like we're gonna be there in like less than a day. <laughs> what do you What do you think I'm gonna do? He has that, he has that great line where he's just like, or Sabaka just marches like, well, you can't train an E-frame pilot overnight. And he's like, the nights are long in space. <laughs> it's just oh like, I mean, well, they're not technically night; it's just space. But all right, man. Fair. Yeah, uh, and, and Marsh is like, well, I guess I gotta train some some yeah. newbies, and. Uh, the, we switch over to uh, Typhonus, who who's it, like he's taking the time to repair the damage that was caused to his fleet, and like cave, like you said, Kavon, some of the ships look like Swiss cheese now, like they they've had giant holes shot in them. Um, Which kind of begs the question: Why didn't the pirates just follow up and finish off this fleet? Also, right, right. Well, that like that's the that was the whole like. Uh, cognitive dissonance isn't the right word. Uh, continuity problems with the last episode, where like, where were all those ships that brought JT and Alec to to Tethys? Where like, why didn't they just keep attacking? Uh, like a whole bunch of things happened there where like they don't really make sense, but you know, cartoons, I guess. Um, the it, it they could have done more with it. Like, imagine. Imagine you know a more adult a more adult version of this. They captured those ships, captured the Neo Sapiens. Now they have to deal with a bunch of Neo Sapien prisoners. True. Well, like you could have had a whole you could have had a whole side story about that. A bunch of Neo Sapiens escaping the pirate base. Right. Yeah. Oh, that would be. Fun. Or like you know Marsh yeah. trying to dissuade Simbaka from executing all of them. Right, because they definitely would. Yeah, he is like first order business. Like, first off, why did you guys even take prisoners? Second of all, put them all in the right. airlock immediately. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I like you could come up with some contrived reason of why they were prisoners. Like, well, yeah. anyways, anyway, yeah, I, I could, I could, I could, I could write a whole script <laughs> today. But I'm if you're listening, to. Will Mignot, <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> if this live action extra squad is happening. Hire me and my zero writing experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Typhonus is repairing his fleet. Uh, while he's doing that, Phaeton is berating him for allowing the 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 pirates and the Exo fleet to become allies. And uh, Typhonus is like, "Well, we'll just attack." And Phaeton's like, "No, you've done enough damage to to my forces. I'm just going to use this giant space cannon that I constructed on another moon of Jupiter secretly, without any, <laughs> you know, without any reference earlier or anything like that. This just exists now. Right. How, how long has he been building right. that? Did he always expect that he would have to use it? <laughs> right. Like, I mean, that's smart. It's a big fucking gun. It's probably going to do some damage." Um, but also you put it on a stationary moon, like you got the Death Star problem where like <laughs> we can't shoot the rebel base because we have to wait until we actually get around this planet. <laughs> hang on, like... is centipede? Hang on, 
Is that how you pronounce a centipede? Centipede? S- uh, Sinope? Is that a, a, sta- or that's how they a stationary it. moon? What is that? It's like locked in, they- so it doesn't actually orbit the planet. It just like moves with the planet. No, it, it, it it's a it's a moon it's a moon that orbits orbits. Oh, okay, all right, all right. Sorry, I was trying uh, to yeah. understand. But it's stationary I, I, in its yeah. orbit. You could say, I guess. Yeah, I I I assume it probably has some rotation, but like, even if it does, like you have to you can only fire the cannon when it's rotated to the right spot to be pointing at what you want to fire. That's true. That's true. And Jupiter's really big, so how slowly does it turn? Again, we need right, we need right. an astrophysicist to like join us on this show. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, that, is the, that is questions. the one thing I that is the one thing I didn't look at. Uh, Sinope, Sinope is not tidally locked. Time. It takes seven hundred and thirty days for Sinope to go around Jupiter. <laughs> All right, so like almost. If, I, if I'm reading well, this, and yeah, just on, over two human years. On top of that, yeah. at least what I'm looking at, it doesn't seem to be tidally locked, which means it would it would presumably rotate, which means you would have to not only have it on the right side of the planet, but also facing in the right direction of where you want it to shoot. Yeah, the Phaeton's giant cannon kind of breaks down in the in the face of astrophysics, I guess would be the right word. Unless he like, unless they, they ran the mathematics, because like, I'm assuming this was built to, to destroy the base on Io. So yeah. maybe they did the mathematics. Like, if we finish construction by this date, on this date, shortly thereafter, everything will be lined up and pointing just right, so that we can destroy Io, and then we won't need this gun for anything else ever again. <laughs> right. but, I mean, like he's Phaeton, he would that's do that. That's true. Though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like it definitely has like Hitlerian megalomania written all over it. Yeah, it's it's his version of the of the like of the like what do, what do they call those trains that were just giant oh they're like the big Bertha guns or whatever guns. yeah the train yeah. the train artillery yeah or or the British side where they just built like giant tubes on the shore that pointed it you know. <laughs> yeah uh, I do like that they built yeah, this giant thing on like this tiny little irregular shaped moon it's I mean it's because it's mostly just a rock flying around Jupiter. It's big enough to be yeah. considered a moon, but it's not what we would think of as a moon. Right. Yeah. It it's it's a it's a big orbiting body, not what not what we would be like. That's no space that's no space station. That's just a rock. <laughs> <laughs> they kinda got the shape of it all like somewhat down from some of what I'm looking at here. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't find a I couldn't find a picture of it. All I could see was like the, the radiographs of it. I'm fine I found it on um I'm using DuckDuckGo, so that might uh, might be, but yeah, here you go. Here's one. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot more than like Tethys. <laughs> yeah, it looks it looks a lot more the their Sinope looks a lot more like the real Sinope than Tethys looks like. Right. Tethys. Oh, good on them. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> The one thing I thought is maybe they could have put like jets on it to spin it around, like the pirates' first uh, asteroid trap, mm. or is this flying rocks? Oh, that's true. Like I, they could have done that, but I don't see them anywhere. Um, Marsh, Marsh at this point is beginning to train the pirates. Uh, Hollis is real gung ho about it. He's like, "You want to? You want to?" He's like, "Come on, get in your suits!" And they all start flying, and they're really bad at it. Like they don't know how to hover because it's the first time they've ever been in E-frames. And the one question I had was like, so they all have cyber jacks. Mm-hmm. 
So that means that the pirate, the pirates do have all that interface technology. Right. Which kind of gets you to wonder is like, is this just like a comp? Does like everybody have them? Is this what like VR is in the future? Is you just like plug something into the base of your spine and or your I, skull and? I mean, you, you gotta you gotta assume like yeah, it seems you, like you don't see them on the back of everyone's neck because I don't think they just take they don't really take the time to animate them. But it does seem like everybody has. Yeah, them. Right. it's like this is the this is the smartphone of the future. It's just a thing that you like plug your brain into. Yeah, I'm here yeah. for it. I mean, mm, I'm not. <laughs> no? No? <laughs> I don't know. You don't... Maybe it's because I, I grew up watching The Matrix, and also, I don't know, like, I came from one of those, you know, conservative Christian towns where people were all worried about we were going to be barcoded and shit. Not that my parents were, like, really um <laughs> adhered to that kind of philosophy, but I don't know. It's just, it's like the idea of, like, oh, like, I can't, I can't put my phone down or I can't escape it. It's, like, in my head. That is terrifying it's just be constant it, constant it. advertising like i don't know what what but, but theirs aren't wireless you have to actually plug it in i guess so right? that's true like that that might be the only saving grace yeah I, I, but then that begs the question like why aren't they <laughs> yeah, how yeah. do they not have wi-fi in the future <laughs> where's my bluetooth but... right. well can you imagine can you imagine if you're in your e-frame and like your wireless connection goes down, or like your Bluetooth <laughs> it burns <What>? out, <laughs> sputters, or something. You know, like every once in a oh, while, you, you know what? Imagine the information war. Maybe they specifically don't make them wireless mm. for like the information warfare purposes. Mm. Like, like you know, like Cy- uh the new cyberpunk game where you can just like hack into anyone and make their head catch on fire because you like overheat their implants and shit. <laughs> That's terrifying! Like, Holy shit! Well, <laughs> Or 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 an altered carbon where, um, like the guy gets to Earth and he's just bombarded by advertisements because of his implants, and someone has to give him like a specific like injection or Jesus. something to turn off the advertisements. It's basically like an ad blocker <laughs> oh, drug. God. It's like you need. It's like man, I need some of the ad blocker. <laughs> like fuck, the future is bright. Oh yeah, bright with advertisements. Yeah, no shit, dude. Black Mirror. Black Mirror is probably still like the most accurate in some ways. I think uh, prediction oh, yeah. of what a very dark future might look like. Yeah. Black Black Mirror is the one where I watch it and I cringe. I'm like that. That's too real. That episode, <laughs> the one where everyone's like riding those like stationary bikes to like get credits to buy like upgrades to their avatars mm-hmm. or like go on television, is like I. I gives me a panic attack just thinking about it like that's the most like horrifyingly probably accurate depiction of what our capitalist future looks like i mean you break you 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 break it down into its basic components and we're like almost right yeah right yeah what's what's a daily job if not grinding right you know to like kind of and you know power our you know increasingly dystopian future yeah Ugh. Join us next time for Dystopia Cat. Hooray! Uh, yeah, where, where we dissect all the different ways that we're all fucked. Well, thankfully, back in the 90s, I guess, either they didn't have time to put this in the show, or they were just, like, not thinking about the, the possibilities of constant advertising coming through your weird neck interface. We, did, we weren't quite at the point where we were putting it in children's cartoons. Yet. Yeah. It wasn't... <laughs> I mean, like, you know, we didn't have the, the possibility for ubiquitous advertising that, like, the internet and being constantly yeah. hooked in requires. 
or enables anyway, Ooh. because like, you know, I mean, you, yeah, you had TV and you had video games and you had all these kind of things, but like the most like that you would really kind of encounter commercials and stuff would, and advertising would be t- TV commercials, like those like trailers that would run before the, your, uh, before your movie on the VHS and stuff. But you could broadly, like it was, it was, it wasn't quite so saturated. So there is, um, a great YouTube miniseries called Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. <laughs> and I'm not sure if this is real, but I, I watched like a video essay about that. Um, I actually think it was a film theory, if, if any listeners are familiar with that channel, where they they there are some people who think that this miniseries is all about the changes in laws that happened in the UK and the US in the early 80s about how you can advertise to children mm. and like the psychological trauma of actually doing that nuts yeah it, it's it's a goofy it's like a goofy kind of surreal puppet miniseries yeah. but like if you look at it in that light and watch it it's like oh oh that's not good i'm I'm sad now. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yeah. No, so rec- yeah. recommend that for any recommend that for anyone if you want to have a good cry. Uh, <laughs> but so the the pirates are really bad at piloting these Z frames. Um, I did notice that like Hollis and one other guy have a have that model of E frame that Napier uses, like the one that he stole. And what's really weird to me is you hardly ever see Neo Sapiens using that model. Huh. It, it's clearly a Neo Sapien model. So, like, I've just started calling it the Napier model because he's the one who primarily right, uses right. it. Um, it's the one. It's the one with like the big array, like box array of uh, missiles on the top, and has like a huge chassis or, or cockpit yeah. area. Yeah. Hang on, um, I'm trying to find a picture of it. Um, do we have a picture? Oh, here we go. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you don't really see that one, do you? Yeah, I, you you almost only ever see humans using huh. it. The toy um, fort looks pretty sweet too. Yeah, uh, after after JT tells the pirates to take a break, uh, he comes out and Alec is standing outside the door waiting for him, and he's he's just magically deduced like there must be a spire in the pirates' fleet. Uh, like we get no indication that he has any evidence for this or like he just kind of is like there's a spy jt i know this because I'm well, Alec doesn't he say something about how like you know like the neo sapiens showed up at the exact same time we did that means there must be a spy which is he's right but it's like that's yeah. you know i mean maybe a little paranoid but i guess he is he's like the intelligence officer so maybe it's his job to be a little paranoid yeah, yeah, and that make that makes sense. They, to to me, it's like the Occam's Razor explanation for it is, him and JT flew to the pirates, their ship got taken out by Neo Sapien scout right. ships, and the scout ships probably told someone like, "Hey, <laughs> we we found this, we found this suspicious Exofleet ship or uh, shuttle next to where we know the pirates." Yeah, it's are. like flying uh, in the direction of the pirates. Yeah, well, I guess maybe it's suspicious that those scout ships were there in the first place. Anyways, it's it, it was just <laughs> kind of funny to me that all of a sudden now he's like, there could be a traitor. Um, Sabaka's reaction oh. is like really great. Oh yeah, I don't know. Again, I love him because he's just so over the top. He's very 
We, he's got like very strong Leo energy. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> we, he's he's very he's very much. I'm going to draw a quarter and dismember this person, then shoot them out <laughs> yeah, the arrow. Like put them out piece by piece. It's like well, they're already dead at that point. But I mean, fair <laughs> enough. Like. I mean, I really picture the more gruesome side of Simbaka, who's like, surgically remove his limbs in the most painful fashion possible, but make sure he's still alive so he can watch me throw each piece out the airlock before I throw his entire torso in his head. That's great. I mean, oh, actually, I could see that happening. I, I could, too. And I don't, is am I on a list now because I thought of it? <laughs> I think you'll be okay. <laughs> If, if Uncle Sam has done anything, they've proven that, uh, or has shown us anything, they've shown us that they don't really do very a very good job of tracking white guys with propensities toward extreme violence. <laughs> so you'll be okay. <laughs> Winning again because of the color of my skin. <laughs> oh, oh, now I'm sad again. Uh, dark. <laughs> Well, not dark. That's the point. No, oh, kidding, no. kidding. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> um, oh. So, uh, to, we go, they tell Sabaka, like, Lexi like, just, he has this great reaction about what he's going to do to the traitor when they find him. And But they actually come up with a plan that, like, yeah, that, that sounds like an awesome plan, doesn't it? Like, you know, just uh, make it make it so the other ships aren't given orders. They just follow our ship. So they don't know what we're doing and where we're going. Yeah. And turn off all long range communications so you can see if someone's trying to do that or stop them from doing that. Like, I mean, that's one of the better cartoon plans I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it make it seems to make sense, even though it's just science babble, right? Right. And it's like a way to potentially draw out the spy because the spy could get desperate mm -hmm. and like make a mistake or do something stupid. I mean, we know who the spy is, obviously, but um. Yeah, from their perspective, I was like, oh, that, that actually makes sense. Like, it's one way to lay a little trap, maybe. Right. Yeah. Alec is good at his job. Um, Typhonus is now telling the leader of the fusion pulse cannon, uh, the big the big tube that Phaeton built, uh, that they need to first find the pirate fleet before they can fire at them. And he says he's going to send out scout ships. I love the design of the the like leader of the fusion cannon base. I don't know why it, it struck it struck me as really cool. Is that the guy with the yellow eyes? Yes. With like red pupils? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and the and and the giant black wrestling belt. Yeah. And even his like little like like their like forehead brood mark is like it looks a little bit different. The arrangement of it and it's stuff. Unique. Yeah. And yeah, I think as Lexi mentioned, he's like the only Neo Sapien we've seen thus far that has yellow eyes. He's got jaundice. Yeah, he's got Neosapien jaundice. That's what I assumed. <laughs> I was like... He's, he's, he's drinking too much because he's had to build this giant space tube in like seven days. It's like the only way he could get through it. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, so the Neosapiens send out scout ships. They immediately find the pirate fleet because it's like orbiting the same planet that the cannon is. <laughs> So like it's not it's not too far out of the realm of my mind that like all of this happens in very close proximity, um, well at least close in the relative to the size of Jupiter right. and uh, space in general. And space in general, yeah. Uh, the JT and Alec deploy with their newly trained air, air heavy air quotes trained pirates. <laughs> uh, 
and the the pirates are like prideful and they're, they're gung ho, so it makes them reckless. They they do manage to destroy the scout ships, but not before they're able to tell the the fusion cannon base where the fleet is, um, and uh, like so some things about this battle are a little stupid. Like at some point, Alec like. <laughs> pushes a dude out of the way to like save him but there was no danger and then he just immediately takes that guy's position and starts yeah. shooting at the ship yeah, yeah I, I was wondering what the hell was going on there i was like i i don't understand what is happening <laughs> i i i feel like they forgot to animate some bullets yeah and maybe him dodging <laughs> those bullets <laughs> like it's just kind of like hey get out of the way you're not ready to shoot stuff yet oh uh. Yeah, is this also, uh, I see you wrote in the notes here, because this is something Kayvon and I pointed out, Hallis just, like, does, like, a weird barrel roll or, like, a spin or something at one point for no apparent reason. Yeah, he's, like, chasing one of the scout ships, and he's just moving straight forward perfectly, and then all of a sudden he's like, oh, no. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I, he, like, slips on a space <laughs> banana peel right? I think that's where that image of his face then comes in, because he's just, like, floating around, yeah. like, uh I mean, maybe that was the moment where he had his, like, deep existential awakening and he just forgot to pilot his E-frame and just flew off course while he was, like, just, <laughs> you know, his consciousness was being, like, kind of remade from the ground up by this new perspective can on the I universe. Really, can I really pilot this E-frame or are my actions predetermined? Right? <laughs> Am I piloting it or is it piloting me? Dun, I mean, listen, dun, dun. with that neural interface, that is actually a very legitimate question. Like, well, and especially that, yeah. what we learn about these E-frames, you know, mm-hmm. again, like, has already been signaled earlier in the show, but just that they have some sort of consciousness. It's like, yeah, that, that's <laughs> that's a legitimate question. Wouldn't it be something if all of these conflicts that have taken place since the invention of E-frames, this entire war between, like, humanity, between Terrans and Neosapiens was actually all just the E-frames? Well, yeah, because they have to keep justifying their existence, right? It's like the... What do you call it? Like military industrial complex, but it's <laughs> oh, r- run by E-frames. <laughs> the E-frames e- are just Northrop Grumman and like Raytheon. That's that's not that's not the direction that I thought you were going with that when you started that joke. But now I'm like, damn. Oh shit. Maybe that's what Hollis is thinking about. <laughs> He's well, like, is well, that a Lockheed Martin thought... uh, logo inside my E-frame? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, what if this was all a simulation so that, like, the mili- the exo fleet could figure out what would actually happen in a war with the Neo-Sapiens? I mean, that that's... But that's... I like yours better. <laughs> I like yours better. Like, they're pull- the Our puppets are pulling our strings. <laughs> yeah, so that they can create more of them. Yeah. Grim. Ooh. <laughs> it's like the, the third the third season we never got is when like the conscious e-frames just like rebel and then kill everyone you sapiens oh, yeah, humans pirates like fuck all of y'all we're taking no, over the universe that makes perfect that makes perfect sense because like okay so the, the i'm not going to spoil it but the last episode of the series ends on a huge cliffhanger what if the thing that caused that cliffhanger was a bunch of e-frames that like flew off and Finally something. slipped the leash and didn't need a human to pilot them anymore. Pretty yeah. Grim. <laughs> Which then also with Alex, uh, kind of you know story arc, the way that that wraps up uh, at the end of season two, then is he like also like a, a plant, like a 
you know, an E-frame in human skin, Ooh. if you will. Oh, I like it. This, 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 this is good. What this is good? What if <laughs> material? Well, Mignot, like if you're listening. I like <laughs> um. Uh, let's see. Uh, where were we in the notes? Oh, uh, I also like Simbaka, like listening to the transmission of him giving away their position, and he's just like pounding his chair like a child. He's Kill like, him. "You idiots! Fucking shoot him!" Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It's just like that's that's definitely like I need to find a way to make gifts out of these because like that scene, that whole scene of him just like swinging his arms in the air and flailing, which then gives way immediately to um, Marsh making the sloth face for a solid like six seconds <laughs> yep yep uh the 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 lat the remaining neo-sapien scout ship is disabled and we don't really see how it gets disabled i just assume someone shot it um and the pirates close in on it and they're like okay we're gonna board it and jt learning his lesson from what the first episode of the series is like no don't get close to that right. and then it explodes Killing every pirate except House. Right. He learned his lesson from what the pirates did. And yet the pirates themselves yeah. are like, well, you know, like we're we're the obviously the only people in the solar system that would think to, you know, like use dead to self or detonate our ship to kill our enemies. Like no one else would ever yeah. think of that. Ooh, dark uh this is this is a good episode for dark what ifs. What if the pilot didn't make it explode? But, like, Typhonus or one of the commanders was like, we can't afford to have one of our pilots captured. Boop. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see that. That's a very dark possibility. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past them. Uh, after after this, Ty- Typhonus celebrates uh, now knowing where to shoot the cannon. Um, <laughs> JT, Alec, and Hollis return to the ship. Simbaka blames Hollis for the death of the other pilots. Uh, and there's some real good, like, you know, classic toxic masculinity here where JT like tries to defend Hollis. Hollis punches JT because he's like emasculating him. Um, and Simbaka's like, if someone ever punched me like that, I'd kill them. <laughs> right. and then yeah, like, that whole scene was just like a, a clusterfuck of, I don't know, like men not knowing how to act around each other. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but for real, though. so weird. <laughs> Use your words, gentlemen. Use your <laughs> well, words. Well, I just like, I like how I, he's like, oh, if someone had punched me like that, they would live through the night. And then JT's like, remind me never to punch that guy. It's like, geez, like, that's such a bad I do, joke. I do like Alex's little sarcastic quip. He's like, you've got to watch his left and then dodge the left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't get punched. Um, Thanks. And then we have this little. Oh, sorry. No, it's just like, oh, thanks. Like, that's, I don't know. Yeah. People who make comments like that after you've already been, like, hit or, you know, fallen over, or you're just like, oh, that, that yeah. <laughs> the key is to balance. Like, yeah, fuck you, dude. <laughs> the key is to not fall over. The key is to get uh, out of my face right now before yeah. I punch you. Yeah. <laughs> so it looks like you didn't learn your lesson, fucker. <laughs> right. uh, that scene would have been perfect if JT just clocked and be like, oh, I guess you didn't watch my right then, did you, Alec? Uh, and then we get this really brief aside where Barka is attempting to convince Hollis that Simbaka is sending out all the people who would threaten his rule to die in these battles and Hollis is like like he seems like he's almost on board with the plan but then he's like no I'm a loyal pirate I'm not a traitor yeah he's like there has to be another way 
Um, yeah. Also, I just want to point out, like, yeah, Barker yeah. only has, like, one or two speaking scenes in this episode. And I don't know if it's... It's just the same voice actor, obviously, but just like in this particular episode, his voice was just super evil. He's like, oh, I'm Barker. My voice is super evil. But also kind of like, like weedly a little bit or something. Like, it's just like, he's like, hey, Jim we need to get in there and overthrow Zemeckis. <laughs> he, he's, you do he a much sa- better impersonation. Sounds... That was great. <laughs> He sounds like a Disney villain. Yeah. Yes. Like, not even a Disney villain, like the henchman of a Disney Right, villain. he's like a two-bit Jafar, like a poor man's Jafar. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, what if he was voiced by Gilbert Gottfried? <laughs> <laughs> but that's it, like, he's like a two-bit, like, like poor man's Gilbert Gottfried in a lot of ways, that voice. That, 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 was, that was who voiced Iago, right? Yeah. Jafar's yeah. bird? Yeah, 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 100%. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 90s flashback right uh, and I'll just drop this here as a quick reference if you've not seen Gilbert Gottfried uh, reading excerpts from Fifty Shades of Grey it is absolutely worth watching it I would recommend pausing the podcast yes. briefly it's only about 90 seconds go watch it and then come, of course come back and resume listening to our podcast <laughs> wait is that is that the thing John Oliver did because he couldn't show Parliament when his air showed when his show aired in the UK? Uh, he may he got Gilbert Gottfried to do something. That video predates John Oliver's show, gotcha. but yeah, I, I do remember him getting Gilbert Gottfried on there to read something. It may have been more from uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, that sounds incredible. Uh, I might spend my. Afternoon. I think after we record the episode, <laughs> uh, I'll send it to the chat. <laughs> uh, well, now the cannon knows where the pirates are, and we we see that it does have a little bit of aiming capability, uh, to move up and down and side to side, and they start firing, um, at the pirates, and like it, it's taking a toll on the pirates' fleet really badly, um. I like the look of the cannon while it's firing. I like the things that it mm-hmm. fires. They're really bright and colorful, and they they sell kind of a sense of danger right. that I think a lot of things in this show don't typically sell. Um, yeah, yeah, these pink lasers look like fun, but this looks like it's firing a yeah. fucking supernova at your face. Like, right. I mean, right. it kind of does look like – it looks like a giant straw shooting, like, spitballs in a way, but the spitballs are enormous, like, <laughs> fusion-based fireballs that'll, like, melt an Bulls entire capital ship. Yeah. It would, no, you know what? You know what? They probably – like, that. this was, like, a design that Algernon made as, like, a 10-year-old <laughs> for the perfect spit – for the perfect spitball, yeah. like, firing thing, and Phaeton, like, found it in his files – or Synobius found it in his files and like <laughs> tried to sell Phaeton on it at some point, but he didn't like want to build it until right. now. <laughs> it's like all oh, the perfect weapon for destroying Io. <laughs> yeah, it's just see like young Algernon just like, oh, how can I build a mass accelerator to accelerate a spitball like to a frag or marginal percentage of the speed of light? <laughs> yeah. Delightful. <laughs> Uh, they they do so some anime will make like chibi versions of their show like Attack on Titan. There's like a chibi version of High School Attack yeah. on Titan. I met high high school Exo Squad <laughs> with giant with giant with giant chibi versions with huge heads. We're currently <laughs> watching uh like Full Metal Alchemist, and I have to say I'm like I'm very here for all the chibi san jokes. Um, yeah, it's it's very it's just sorry I'm just driving that in there, but yeah, it's fucking too good. It's killing me. 
yeah, easy for you to say as a tall person, Keith. Well, I'm sorry, chibi <laughs> wife. Like, if you <laughs> oh if you wanted to grow a few more inches, I would never, you know, maybe wants to sting so much. It's not my father. It's not my fault. My father smoked when I was a child. Okay. <laughs> Shame. I'm kidding. It's genetic. He was short too. Oh, anyway. Oh yes. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I will say though, with this like the scene of this thing shooting and everything, when it hits the one pirate's e frame, I was a little you know like you I just you know it should have just like passed right through him and vaporized him, but it just kind of hits him like any right? old laser and he explodes and it's just kind of like, come on guys, you could have just had him just like just evaporate or whatever like yeah yeah that 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 would have been the cool thing to do to just have like you know just like a giant like ball of fusion energy just consume whatever it right. goes through but also like it is kind of funny the way it does happen because it's like fuck that guy <laughs> right like everybody else gets out of the way and he just gets hit straight on like how many billions of dollars do you think it requires to fire that thing once yeah. <laughs> they just killed one right with it. which in reality you gotta figure like that thing would be so hot just the, that ball of energy that it would probably like vaporize him if it even came near him which would have been the really right. cool thing to see is it just like passes by and he just is like vaporated vaporized from like a kilometer away yeah yeah and, and this and this is this is the scene where like you know a bunch of pirates die in this and the ensuing battle from some e-frames that get sent out of the base to defend it and like, this is this is the time when jt's like oh this loss of life is terrible. <laughs> well, i remember like this scene in particular after just a few scenes ago when, like, the six other pirates, everyone except for Hylus, basically gets, like, yeah, killed in that um, Neo-Sapien self-destruct plot. Right. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. it's like, oh, but they had more. Don't worry. There were there were more E-frames and there <laughs> right. were more pi- pirates who were being trained. But so, you just didn't see them, so don't worry about it. <laughs> there's there's always more E-frames and there's always more pirates. <laughs> yeah. We need another pirate. Um... The is so uh, like I said, some E-frames come out to uh, to defend the base. Uh, most uh, again, most of the pirates die except Hollis, but Hollis is like, "I'm gonna do this." After JT is like, "No, we got to pull back and figure out how we're gonna attack this." Hollis just flies straight forward, shoots a hole in the ceiling, and starts flying down a giant another giant tube in this base. Um, it being pursued by some neo-sapient e-frames and my favorite part of this chase is those two guys on the bridge who are like <laughs> like okay i guess we'll try and they just start shooting right. <laughs> and they also shoot at jt and alec as they fly by like, like, do your best guys it yeah had <laughs> a little bit of what's his name like benny hill <laughs> yeah you could have put that kind of music over that just seen. Absolutely. Also, yeah, Cable yeah, and I had another physics, astrophysics question, which, you know, again, we need someone to actually answer these questions for us. But, like, when Hollis shoots through the roof of the, like, base thing or whatever, the first see or the first, like, image you see is of the debris flying out into space, which we were like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. But then the next scene is him looking in and there's debris falling down as well. And we were like, what is the, what, again, what's <laughs> happening with the gravity here? Like, is there some sort of invisible shield so that all the debris that's inside falls down and all the debris that's outside just flies out like i don't know that's the only reason right the gravity okay. generator it's stops like, at the ceiling yeah okay 
cool. <laughs> that that I mean that that <laughs> you're you're right though. It's like okay, that went that way. And right. That went that way. That's well, because like that's not how back the show be. doesn't usually do like a I don't know it it sometimes like doesn't really pay much attention to the physics of space, which I'm fine with. I'm yeah. I think hard sci-fi stuff is whatever. It's fine if you're into that, but like whatever. It's the fucking future. Who gives a shit? It's um, a kids show from yeah. the nineties. Even if sake. it's not a kids show, who gives a fuck? Like, um, <laughs> what was it like? Kurt was it Kurt Vonnegut I who do. said like it's best to never let science get in the way of science fiction. Um, or something. Yeah. I can't remember if it was him or one of those one of those like sci-fi authors that said that. And it's like absolutely fine with it. But this episode, weirdly, because there was another moment in the episode where like Hollis, it's like when Hollis gets like blown away by the self-destructing Neo Sapien scout ship, and he's like flying through space, and he like winds up um, upside down from Marsh's perspective. And it's like mm. at first like Marsh is like upside down, and then it flips, and it's kind of like this moment of like, yeah, there's no true up and down in space, and it's like, oh wow, yeah. like they're actually like acknowledging that, which is not something that happens often in this show. And then there's that moment of like the debris flying up into into space, and it's like, oh okay, like they're actually paying attention to space mechanics in this episode. And then it's like, no, mm-hmm. wait, no, no, we're not, or whatever, gravity generation, it's fine, which again is fine. What? I don't really care, but it's just interesting. So like one one thing one thing I uh, read about recently is like uh, the misconception that you get cold if you fly out into into the vacuum of really? space. You actually you actually if if I'm remembering the article correctly. So yeah, everyone love this part where Dave gets something wrong. <laughs> uh, if I'm remembering the article correctly, they they were talking about how what actually happens is you stay warm. Because you're in a vacuum and there's nowhere for the heat from your body to diffuse to. So Interesting. Do you just boil in your own skin. Uh, like something about the pressure makes a lot of bad things happen in regards to temperature regulation and like your lungs. Yeah. Expanding Meat. if there's air in them. I mean, if you're uh, in the vacuum of space, like temperature regulation is probably one of the least of your worries yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. definitely, I mean, it's true, definitely but, a concern <laughs> but but also like that that, le- that leads me to thinking like these e-frames if that's the case they must have like some tremendously advanced heat sink system yeah like that was always the thing in like those old mech warrior games where like if you didn't install enough that's right in your giant mech they would overheat and shut down all that's the time. right i forgot about those yeah yeah, and it's like because I'm you know reading those expanse books and they're always talking about waste heat and me not being at all a physical scientist was like oh, I don't know what that means but whatever it's like wouldn't the heat just the bleed heat off into space but that makes <laughs> yeah that's that is an issue gotta watch out for that poop heat <laughs> um... <laughs> oh man but and it's you know coming like come to think of it too like looking back on um, uh, like when we were in chemistry a million years ago at Franklin. And Mr. Salinger like put that cup of water in like the bell jar and like took the uh, took all the air out and like the cup of water like mm-hmm. bo- boiled. So like I wonder if you would just like would you start boiling? That's what I'm asking. Yeah, would you boil in your own skin? Right. How fucked up is that? Maybe, maybe that was part of the article that I don't remember. But but uh, I bet something bad like that does happen. It's like your your brain probably yeah. cooks like first. Because, like, it's really important to keep that temperature regulated, right. right? And, I mean, like, at the end of the day, like, all of that would be theoretical, right? Because no one's ever actually died in space. Like, no one's ever... We, there's not never been a human being that's been exposed to vacuum before, right? 
I don't think that's yeah, ever my happened. Yeah, my only touchstone is Event Horizon, so like... Yeah, that's a fucking amazing movie. I bet I bet you there was some shady Russian mission where a few a few Russian astronauts got fucking destroyed in the vacuum I don't, space. I don't know. Um, mm. You heard you heard the story about that about that one Russian astronaut, right? Who like was like, we can't go up in this mission because whoever goes up is gonna die. And they were like, you're gonna go up, or we're gonna throw you and your family in the fucking Siberian gulag, right? And he was like, okay. And then he said, but he said he agreed to go up, but the uh, the only condition that he would agree with is they had to display his corpse in a museum. That's kind of cool, though. That's boss. <laughs> because he was he was certain that he would die. And to their credit, as he came back, and there were like U.S. listening posts that heard his like he he just got on the radio. It wasn't in space. It was on reentry. I think he got on the radio. And was like, just fucking swearing and cursing the people who sent him up there. <laughs> I do remember hearing and, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then, to their credit, they took his charred, twisted corpse and displayed it in open glass in the museum. Damn. For a long time. Yeah. So I'm. I just <laughs> out of curiosity here. I am looking, and it seems like. Oh wait, no. Okay, so yeah, there was a decompression in space um, in 1971 that killed three cosmonauts. Mm-hmm. Uh, cabin vent valve construction defect caused it to open as service module separation. The recovery team found the crew dead. Um, these three are, as of 2021, the only human fatalities in space. Everything else has been during space flights. Um, most I'm of the fatalities... Have actually been American astronauts, the vast majority. Four cosmonauts and we're looking at like 15 American astronauts, something like that. Because it was the Columbia and the Challenger in particular. And then there was a, yeah. one of the Apollo missions uh, caught fire during a test flight and killed a guy named Michael Adams. Yeah, I remember yeah. that one. Yeah. Oh, Good times. Yeah. <laughs> Who's going to be the first <laughs> billionaire to die in space? Oh God! I hope it's <laughs> God, I hope right. It's I'm. I may or may not have been kind of watching the Bezos space flight with my fingers crossed, but uh, I'm not going to cop to anything. I don't. I don't actually want any human beings to die. People listening to this, but at the same time, I probably wouldn't be that sad. I certainly wouldn't shed a tear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can cut this later, but I personally, like, I, I, I kind of do, but, you know, it's whatever. The world would be a better place without Jeff Bezos. Eat yeah. the rich. Yeah, like I said, I don't wish death on any human beings, but billionaires are another story. <laughs> anyway. Uh, All right. Where were we? Uh, Hollis is doing something, right? Yeah. Huh. What, the, what are we even talking about? Oh, it's, it's terrific. Uh, it- well, so so Hollis flies down this tube. Um, he gets shot a couple times, which disables his E-frame, and he's sitting in like the reactor room or something like that. And he decides, okay, I'm gonna take this thing out because I'm not gonna live anyway. So he sets the self-destruct for his fusion pack. Uh, Alec and JT get in there, uh, take out the guys who were gonna kill him, and start carrying him away. But not before JT pulls out his fusion pack throws it 
into the reactor and and then they start flying away. Um, Can I well, just as say basic Lexi sport? pointed out, the timer like very uh, kindly stays at eighteen seconds for about thirty seconds. Yes, it, it is one of those very long media twenty second <laughs> yeah. countdowns. Not like, not like the first episode where the lady helpfully counts down every fucking number from sixty to zero. Right. <laughs> I also like how uh, the fusion pack the... just pops out. It looks like one of those, um, I don't know, I'm sure you guys had this, but like the removable tape deck or like CD yeah. deck in your car so that people couldn't break it and steal it. I don't know if that wasn't just a South African thing, right? No, no, that was definitely an American thing too. <laughs> no. We we had, uh, uh, the only time I ever saw that was uh, when we lived in Sicily. The car my dad had had that and he never put it back in. <laughs> he just took it out. I don't know why. Yeah. No. Or maybe he bought the car without maybe. it. That car, that car broke down as we were driving to the airport to get out of Sicily. <laughs> and I think I think my parents just left it there. <laughs> just left it on it the, side, still be of the, on the side of the road. <laughs> yeah, I think they did. Maybe they did. I'll have to ask them someday. But I think I think they might have. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's uh, like, well, we'll leave it for the Sicilians to deal with, son. Moving on. Yeah, right. Typical uh, Americans. Uh, Just yeah. kidding. I'm joking. So yeah, they so, they throw away his like jetpack CD player thing. Um, yeah, <laughs> it it stays on eighteen seconds for about twenty seconds, and then what happens? They they and, just grab him and fly out. Yeah, they just grab and fly out, and uh, and the the it reaches zero at the convenient time that they're at a safe distance, and the base explodes. And, and Typhonus is like super jacked about this. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, Phaeton sucks. <laughs> Who's the bungler now?" <laughs> and then he's like, "Let's go get the pirates." But then the, another another really cool looking like comms or bridge helper that he has is a different one than the last time. Is like he has a giant hunter orange suit, which I love that. Um, he's like, he's like, we can't, we can't go after them because, uh, it appears Sonobe has exploded and all the rocks are flying at us. <laughs> right. That's right. All the debris. So they, so they have to run away and it's, and it looks like that clears the path for the pirates to get to IO without any right. trouble. Yeah. Somehow. And yeah. Get, they're not, they're uh, not caught in the debris field somehow. Yeah, and uh, so the the pirates get to Io. Uh, Sambaka meets with Winfield, and Winfield's like, "Would you like to inspect the troops?" And they do that, like walking down a pathway of a bunch of troops who are standing at but attention. But it's, it's like ten people in a semicircle. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they just like walk five <laughs> steps and then turn around, and Sambaka's like, "Very nice." Like... <laughs> they, they don't have that many people left. And... <laughs> it's like this is the entire Exo fleet. <laughs> we're this is why we needed the pirates <laughs> um and and then we get and then we get these great these great facial exchange that we talked about at the beginning of the episode where where rita like walks out and sees jubail who's standing behind simbaka and like there's obviously a past between those two because she recognizes him and she's like you murderous scum and then you know they make a funny faces at each other and the episode ends and uh, we get a we get an end card with Marsala that tells us most of the things we learned at the end of season one, but gives us an, one very important fact that I don't think we knew yet. Him and Phaeton were part of the same right. brood. 
So they're basically brothers. Right. Does that make them like twins as well? I don't. I mean, I guess it would be like a quadruple trillion tuplet or whatever. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm I'm one of I'm one of thirty whatever the word for thirty tuplets is. <laughs> but yeah, it would. I mean, because like. Marcella does talk about how, like, you know, when, because somebody says, like, oh, you wouldn't understand, like, what it's like to worry about family. And he's like, well, actually, like, I have hundreds of brothers and sisters, and I'm fighting against, like, all of them. Hundreds of brothers and sisters who we all went through more pain and suffering than you could probably ever imagine. (laughs) We were all enslaved together, thanks. It's just Nara. I know your family just died, but... (laughs) Listen, Nara's just being a Karen. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, that's, yeah. That's interesting, though. Cause that, did we not know before this point that he and Phaeton are from the same brood? I don't think... I don't, think I don't know if it does come up. Yeah, I think this is the first like reference that you get to the fact that they're brothers, more or less. Is and I, I like the way that it's like... I can't remember. What's it? I said, is it significant later on, like in this um, season? I can't remember if it comes up again, or if this is just like a random detail that they drop. I think it puts their it puts their relationship into context a little more, at the very least. Whether it's because I think it's already significant given the relationship, you know, like with Phaeton betraying Marsala, then Marsala turning around and betraying Phaeton at the end of season one, and like this sort of like tension and this weird. Mm interaction between them and stuff it's like oh this is more than just like former commander and like former you know like whatever this is like this is like a family thing also and it i don't know i think it adds an additional emotion an emotional layer to those scenes that you're not necessarily aware of at first yeah it it adds like it adds an emotional layer but i don't i don't recall and again this is like the first time i'm watching all these episodes in like two years at least um I don't recall there ever being a point where someone was like, well, you know, you're, it it comes up as a, as a like pivoting plot point or anything like that. No. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that, that's, uh, that's the end of that episode. We'll we'll see. Finally, the pirates and the exo fleet have joined together and now the real fight begins. Yeah. This kind of wraps up the kind of first story arc of the season, huh? Um, Yeah. Yeah, good episode though. I think like decent bit of action, um, you know, yeah. some fun exchanges, top top facial expressions, um, really best <laughs> captured in motion. So I would recommend if you haven't seen this episode in a while, go back and just watch for the facial expressions alone. Yeah, um, it's also, wonderful. It, it looked to me like the at least the a few places, including the beginning of the episode, the animation quality seemed a bit better or like more detailed. Mm-hmm. Like I noticed the the shine on Simbaka's hair, for instance, was animated. <laughs> well, well, um, he he actually switched to a new conditioner. He's using Vidal Sassoon now. So, <laughs> how do you know who Vidal Sassoon is? I know oh it's a God. commercials man. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, do you know he's sorry? The only reason I know who Vidal Sassoon is because he's a famous uh, hairstylist who did um. Mia Farrow's hair for Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, that too. Okay, and right. uh, And Sorry. also, wasn't he like a partisan or something during... He like he fought the Nazis in some way or another, I think. I feel like he was the one that did that. Anyway. That's awesome. History <laughs> lessons. <laughs> but yeah. Fashion uh, lessons. Uh, which is relevant for the show, because there are so many Sassoon-like haircuts. Um, it totally works. 
So someone someone brought that up on the Bring Back Exo Squad Facebook group. Apparently, this new um, He Man reboot, which is very good, by the way. I've only watched one episode so far um, with Nancy, mm-hmm. who had never seen any He Man before. And to me personally, it was like the F rank cartoon of the 80s for me as a child. So I never really watched it as well. But that first episode of this new reboot on Netflix got got us both really oh, cool. Like, we're invested Damn. now. Damn, okay. Yeah. Because, like... Sorry. I was going to say, we went to a costume party recently, and one of our friends came as, like, Katara. Or something. No, not Katara. Jesus. But that's from the Shira. It's a different show, isn't it? Yeah. But it's interesting that they relaunched Shira first, and now they're, like, rebooting He-Man, Master of yeah. the Universe. I don't know. It's just, it's fascinating also, because, like, these are young people, or friends of ours that are younger who never actually watched the original series but are totally hooked on like the new versions of these shows yeah and the new shira is also very good like it is it, it it's a top i'd say it's one of the best things it's one of the best cartoons netflix has Damn. produced um because that's a yeah. deep bench i mean netflix uh, animation has been killing it of late there's a ton of good stuff yeah they they have some real shit oh too. i'm sure uh, i'll <laughs> say that like some of the, some of their animation is like uh, yeah, but like that um weirdly enough the Dota cartoon did you see that one? I haven't I haven't watched it yet. I'm not a big Dota fan, so like I wasn't like drawn into it for any reason. Yes, is, is I don't think you I don't, don't know how much of a story. Yeah, I don't think Dota has much of a story to begin with, but it just like creates a story for that world, and it's actually really great. It's engaging as hell. Hmm. Highly recommended. I have to I have to give that a shot. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, well, the, I was I was actually going to pl- like recommend in, my, in the plug section that everyone give that new He Man on Netflix a chance. Anything you guys want to shout out? Uh, we week? just watched that um, the kind of special episode for Kingdom, that Netflix yes. uh, kind of Korean zombie show set in like medieval Korean times. Um, okay. And the uh, I have I don't know. Have you seen this show, Dave? Highly recommended. It's first off, it's got yeah. the best hats okay. in any TV show ever. They're the hats are just unbelievable. And then on top of that, there's like zombies and like ancient your medieval times Korean fighting people and like all kinds of cool court politics. It's sort of like got a Game of Thrones sort of vibe, but with a lot more zombie emphasis. Um, and, and, and it less, also isn't terrible. Um, yeah, unnecessary sexual assault. None yeah, of that. None going of on. that. It's yeah. fantastic. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, so all around, highly recommended. But so they've done two seasons, and the second season ended on a bit of a head scratcher, like what the fuck is going on? And then they've just released like a feature film length episode to sort of address how the second season ended. And I'm assuming that's like a teaser for now for the third uh, season. Um, cool. Uh, other other Korean zombie recommendation if you've never seen it. Train to Busan. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Fun time. Have you seen Fun the prequel? Time. It's called no. Soul Station. It's yeah. animated, actually. Um, and it's okay. phenomenal. It's really also really, really good. Um, and it takes place the night before Train to Busan in Seoul. Ooh. Yeah. And there's a sequel also, which is it was fun. It's more of an action movie, but um, called Peninsula. That's pretty cool also. Yeah. Cool. And while we're on the it's subject of Korean rings. horror, um, let me also oh, yeah. recommend to our audiences really quickly, uh, The Wailing. Uh, if you've not seen it, it's on, it's, I think it's on Netflix. Yeah, The Wailing, like, yeah. not whailing as in, like, getting a whale, like a fish or mammal, <laughs> seaborn mammal. Style. Yeah. You know what? That's really what I thought you were saying at first, too. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was, a horror movie about whaling. actually, there's a lot of Big promise time. there. Uh, that I could like really that. slap. But, um, but no. <laughs> 
No, like W A I L I N G. Yeah. Wailing. The other yeah. wailing. It's, it's, it's uh, two hours long, but it's just fantastic and like ugh. creepy yeah, as hell. Could... Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, awesome, awesome, guys. Well, then, uh, uh, Lexi, unless you have anything you want to plug or No, or I'm just seconding all yeah. of Kayvon's recommendations because we pretty much watch all of the same stuff together That's all the time. Think about yeah. being married. Okay, I figured that was the case. <laughs> I wanted to give you a chance. Um, then if that's the case, then that'll, that'll end it for today, everyone. We'll see you next time for the next episode. And uh, hope you all stay safe, happy, and healthy. Yeah, Cheers. Squad.